Let's Talk Leadership podcast. I'm Sandra Patel and here's another special episode featuring highlights from the panel discussion at our recent Leeds Digital Festival event adapting to HR and TA challenges in 2023. I hope you enjoy listening. Welcome and thank you so much for our um, Leeds Digital Festival event this evening. Um, For those who don't know me, um, I'm Sandra from Transition Partners. I'm the nervous one and suffer with a little bit of imposter syndrome, um, but I will um, confidently hand over to amazing panellists that we have here, which we'll we'll do some introductions on shortly. But before we start, um, we're all here tonight to hear more about the changes um, that we've all experienced this year within people teams, talent teams, uh, HR. It's, I don't think there's any surprise that, you know, it's, it's been a difficult, tricky year um, for, for businesses and, and for all things people um, related this year. So I'm hoping that panellists this evening can share their expertise, their challenges. I'd really like to encourage for us all to be as open and um, authentic and honest as we possibly can so that we can share those challenges and experience with you guys and hoping that you go away this evening with a nugget or two um, of information or advice um, that you can hopefully implement um, into your teams um, and businesses. Before I introduce the panel, um, I'd just like to say that we've got um, Sam here Sam, there you go. I was just trying to look for you in front of everyone. Um, so Sam's here from um, Maggie's Cancer Support. Um, and Maggie's offer a free cancer support workplace programme. If anyone is interested um, in exploring that for your teams or organisation, feel free to um, catch up, catch Sam at the end of the session. And then we've also got Janet here there you go thanks <laughs> um so janet um is owner and founder of choose sunrise is a uh, alcohol work safe place coaching um business and has recently launched the um accreditation um for alcohol um safe work working environment so again feel free to to grab janet towards the end so anyway enough um of me i'll hand over to the panel um so i'd like to just start with just a couple of minutes of a quick introduction if you don't mind do you want to kick off Yasmin? Hi everyone I'm Yasmin Donado I am currently head of connected technology academy at KPMG it's a bit of a mouthful um but so essentially it means I'm responsible for our pipeline of talent into our technology business at KPMG I also do a lot of work around the diversity and inclusion stream I do a lot of work with what we call our IT's Her Future programme, so getting females into tech. I've recently created something called Kids Code, where we, um, I guess, teach children at years of eight plus to code on a Saturday morning. Like, I'm really passionate about filling the skills gap in my spare time, which funnily enough, I don't have a lot of, because I say yes to quite a lot of stuff. I'm a board member at Maggie's with Sandra. Um, I'm also a board member at Yorkshire Dance. Um, I'm a school governor because again, I'm kind of really passionate about making sure that we um, have that pipeline of talent coming through and, you know, ensuring that kids have the right access out of education um, into different businesses. Um, So yeah, really passionate about getting kind of people into technology and kind of diversity and inclusion space and background is sort of 15 years within the TA and HR space. 
Fantastic, thank you. Mark, over to you. Hi everybody, I'm Mark. Um, I'm the Senior TA Manager for Shark Ninja. Um, a lot of people don't put two and two together, but it is shark vacuums and ninja blenders. Uh, not just air fryers. <laughs> yeah, not just air fryers. Um, I've already answered a lot of questions on air fryers, so please no questions on air fryers today. Um, so I manage the team um, sort of for out of the Leeds and London office. So we've actually got an amazing office in the Battersea Power Station in London, uh, which we've just opened. Uh, we've also got offices in Paris and Frankfurt, which we're growing at the moment. Um, our sort of we call it our path to billion at the moment. So very commercially focused business um, at this moment in time with a lot of growth driven from Europe. Um, we previously were maybe more of a side hustle to the US business, but I think over the last few years, uh, growth across the UK and Germany has been really impressive. So hopefully I'll have a few nuggets for you today. Fantastic, thank you. And Ola? I'm Orla Hunt. I am the Chief People Officer for Yorkshire Building Society. So we are a savings and mortgages business that have been around for 160 years. Um, we are on a digitalization and modernization um, approach um, at the moment. Um, so we've got a really strong purpose, uh, really strong engagement, and we need to make sure we remain um, relevant. Um, and I have been in HR for longer than I care to remember. Um, and I have done that across retail, FMCG, and a variety of financial services organisations. So it's nice to be here this evening. Fantastic, thank you very much. Um, so first question for the evening, um, fairly open um, question, but we'd be really interested in hearing about what, as I said earlier, it's, it's, it's been a very uncertain year this year for many businesses. Um, and it would be really interested to understand within your businesses, within your teams, what you've each done to address the uncertainty in today's um, economic climate? Um, I think, I mean, it's a really interesting question because I think if you think about it, there's not a lot, we, there's no like quick fix, right? Because everybody's going through the same problem. But I think the one thing that we've continued to do is kind of pipeline our early talent into the business. So I guess making sure that they still feel very valued, offering them those training and development opportunities. I think sometimes that, and maybe I'm a, a little bit biased because of the job that I do and that's who I look after, but I think the first thing that normally businesses when they're starting to cut people they look at the early talent population because effectively I think people see them as like cheap resource but actually they're the backbone of your organization they should be your future leaders and it's like you need to be retaining those people and also if you're bringing them in and you're investing in them like we do for things like boot camps and kind of giving them that best foot forward then that's your talent for the future so why would you know why would you why would you cut them so We've still continued along that vein in terms of, of what we're doing. And I think we're doing a lot of work, um, I guess, in the CSR space, trying to kind of upskill people as well. So I did discuss um, RIT's Her Future programme. So we offer like free Python training. We're still going to schools and trying to educate young women in technology. Like I said, there's no real quick fix, but I think making your people feel valued and looking after your early talent as they're coming into the organisation is, is really critical. Fantastic. Mark, over to you. Yeah, so for us, um, our strategy has been very much right people, right places. I think as you're, you have to really focus on commerciality, you have to look at do you have the right people in the right places, especially as who we've been going on a massive transformation. 
So we've had a lot of change um, sort of internally and a lot of growth, fortunately, compared to some businesses within Shark Ninja, where headcount's gone from maybe 200 to nearly 500 across Europe. Um, so so the, we've been in a very good place, but we've been certainly focusing on whilst we're hiring this growth, getting the right people. So looking at better ways of assessing talent, looking at um, looking at making sure people aren't making decisions in isolation. So I think uh, when I first joined Shark Ninja, there's a massive habit of just one person one on one interviewing. And I'm really not a fan of, of that. And, you know, some people might. <laughs> Uh, love it, so apologies. Um, <laughs> but I think in terms of what you want, is you want a uh, you know as diverse as possible, uh, you know where you can. But certainly, you know, two people with different lived experiences can be really good, um, sort of for making a stronger hiring decision. So we've been looking at that, and and sort of certainly, Shark Ninja is a fast-paced e-commerce environment, which isn't for everybody. So really telling an honest opinion of what Shark Ninja is like to work at. So people have the option to self-select and we don't put them through that pain of coming in the business and, and maybe figuring it out themselves. So, you know, I'm, I definitely say focusing on sort of quality and right people, right places. Fantastic. Um, so obviously we're in uh, financial services. Um, we did a, an additional cost of living payment for all colleagues. Um, we have provided significant investment in well-being, in mental health um, support. Uh, we provide cost of living support for our customers and we have offered that to colleagues as well because you've got people taking calls from customers and difficulties who also potentially are also having their own financial challenges so making sure that they are um, availing of all of the support that um, we can. Um, the other thing we're doing is investing significantly in reskilling so in uncertain times one of the things that you potentially can hopefully give your um, colleagues is a sense of agency, so a sense of control. So if I have the opportunity with my current workplace to continue to evolve my skills, then I've got more sense of long-term security, whether that's about continuing with YBS, which hopefully for lots of colleagues it is, but even if it is outside, I have more current skills. So we've got a number of colleagues in customer services in branches and those roles are going to change um, and become more digital so how do we enable those colleagues to retrain in kind of digital skills or in data the things we need for the future um, but to do that in a way over a kind of a couple of years in a planful way so people can build those skills um, in advance and then kind of take themselves into other roles in the business and that kind of fits with our mutual ethos so I think that's you know so being honest being really clear about the direction of the business and then making sure we're providing those pathways and the learning support um, for for colleagues to, to do that. Fantastic Billion um, I like that there was there's I think a, a common theme across here around um, continuing to support people learning development future talent um, you know so yes we're in uncertain times at the minute and we have been and there's been a lot of challenges to navigate this year but the emphasis what seems hasn't you know you haven't as a businesses and leaders within your businesses you haven't taken your focus away from the people the development and the future um, talent which is um, which is fantastic to hear so next question I'd like to ask and um, it, it's um it's quite an interesting question and I, I know from some of the conversations I had earlier on when we were doing a bit of networking before we we, um, we started, um, I think there's a few people here that'd like to talk and, and learn more about 
what we're doing at the, at the minute, it's still a, a you know, there's still a, 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 a talent shortage yeah. within tech and digital, <clears> especially <throat> in positions like engineering, AI, um, data, um, for some businesses um, still on that user design, centre design, UCD space. Mm -hmm. um, how are you, com you know, how are you combating this challenge within your businesses internally at the minute? For sure, I think, I mean, Yasmin's probably going to be the expert on this one and um, have a lot to sort of, maybe I'll step on her toes a little bit, but it is with your early talent and your early careers programmes, really. You, you never really, you know, you think about, for example, you know, women in tech, the ratio is typically 85% male. You know, you're never really going to make huge changes by hiring experience into that because the ratio is just not there. Whereas if you start to focus on grassroots, um, you know, that's where you can really make key changes. Um, so, you know, uh, we've not sort of done massive amounts of that in Shot Ninja yet from a coding perspective. We've done it more from a traditional design engineering perspective where we're massive advocates of women in STEM. But in AO, where I was previously, we did a lot in terms of apprenticeships for um, sort of school leavers within sort of coding and within our software development team. Um, so, you know, for me, it's a, it's a real good avenue. You've got to be set up for success now, so you need the core teams in place. So, you know, what we would typically recommend is sort of, I suppose, having, you know, we've leaned on contractors from time to time to help coach and develop those people, but there should be a path out of that in terms of you can't rely on contractors for a long period of time because of the expense. But if you're hiring the right people, the right mindsets, you know, at a junior grassroots level, you'll then be able to sort of, they'll pick it up a lot quicker than, you know, most people would even think. Yeah, I, th I think definitely you've got to have the right support structure in place when you're bringing that talent in. And I think that's where sometimes a lot of businesses can go wrong because you can't expect these people to come in and hit the ground running because it's not realistic. If you think back to when you left school or university, these people are coming in on a, an apprenticeship or graduate scheme and there's quite a lot that they have to learn. And I think there's a massive job to make sure that you're landing them in the business properly and they've got that wraparound care. So I think a lot of, a lot of it is around actually, do you have the right kind of performance management system in place is that consistent does it work for early talent because more often than not actually it's not it's it, it doesn't early talent is kind of a little separate thing on its own and they have you know I think they have to be treated with a lot of care but I think also a lot of people use it as a, as a quick fix to get talent in and you know that that can be quite frustrating as well I think the other thing is is making sure that you're not I guess creating barriers for talent coming into the business. I think I know you did mention STEM, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tricky one for me because I don't necessarily think you have to have a tech degree to be a good coder. In fact, I think it's rubbish. So I think it is like I I think it, you know when when I mean I've been doing what I do for a long time, particularly within this space, and I feel like with a lot of businesses I've gone to, I've kind of changed the narrative a little bit because there's. There was always, there has been a perception that you need to have like a strong computer science degree to go on to a tech graduate scheme. And I'm like, that's actually a bit bonkers. Like if you, if you've done a language or if you can read French or Spanish or whatever it is, then you can probably read code. So it's just thinking about it a bit differently. I think one of the best graduates I had, I think she'd done like an art degree or something like that. I think if you provide the right training and development, people can do anything. That's what, you know, that's where 
I guess the the key to all of that is and I think it's not creating barriers in your application process you've got to have this and you've got to have that like that's quite common as well like in the states in terms of you've got to have three years of experience and then you can come and do this and that's why they're struggling with pipelining their talent in whereas you're not going to get the right people if you're you've got all those blockers up already well you've got to have a stem degree you've got to have this because it just puts people off and I think another really untapped market and I will pass on in a minute but is like I guess career changing like and the use yeah. of the levy how are you using your levy in the business to upskill people and kind of referring to what all of us saying in terms of right there's probably people within your business who are like actually I really want to go and do that but how can I do that and it's kind of enabling that and I think also like returning mums like they're a great workforce like that great population like and it's a really untapped market and I think you know considering things like how flexible are you as a business do you offer part-time like part-time isn't like a dirty word like we should that's something that we should be really thinking about so thinking about that flexibility and how you can I guess you know roll that out for your talent or be more accessible to people and attract people from different backgrounds and you know different routes and different paths of life because diversity of thought is is what makes the money because that's where the different ideas come from heard it here first <laughs> Fantastic. Very well said, Yasmin. I'll hand over to Alda now. Yeah, so um, we're investing in early careers as well, and we are looking at um, spending all of our levy. We haven't historically, but that's that's a big um, opportunity for us. Um, And we're working with an organisation called Multiverse, who I'm sure some of you have worked with, but they talk about work they've done in the airline industry with baggage handlers and recognising that capability point. So when they've done some psychometric testing with them, they've found a load of folks in those roles who are brilliant um, at data roles and stuff. So actually nothing in our business is as far a leap as baggage handling to data roles. So um, that's just a brilliant story to kind of help bring that to life for some of our leaders who maybe can't automatically see that... um, see that picture. Um, In terms of beyond um, early careers, we um, refreshed our EVP. So our um, message to the market wasn't really hitting the the mark in terms of attracting the kind of talent we were looking for. So we did um, a big refresh. We found when we post on LinkedIn and we have um, the leaders of that area or colleagues who work in that telling the story of those roles that's much more compelling in terms of bringing people in because you can kind of relate versus yeah rather than you know the HR or TA teams um, doing that um, so that that's been really positive um, and um, yeah so and then we've we've also done you know specific things around you know coding um, and um, you know reaching out to our community programs to schools to universities um, so that uh, you know you've got a full breath but I think on the basis that it is Leeds is a pretty hot market for yeah. tech you've got to be thinking about you know experienced people your uh, profile in the community what you're doing in DEI, as well as what you're doing in early careers and kind of keeping all of those plates spinning so that you know if you're, you know, if you're not the sexiest business on the planet, um, you've got to make sure all of those plates are spinning well in order that you're attracting that talent. Fantastic. Um, so, last question, and I'd like to end on. Um, you know, we've seen this year um, a number of challenges, um, and um, I, I've had myself personally, I've had a number of conversations with 
um, talent professionals, HR professionals from within the industry over the last three or six months that have seen their roles being repurposed and evolved and, and changed this year. Um, and I'm sure there's a few people, um, you know, sat here in the audience that have experienced the same. So I think it might be quite interesting to share some insights um, and challenges around how and if your roles or, or roles within your talent teams, the people teams have evolved and been repurposed this year due to the challenges that you've experienced. Do you want me to kick off? Um, yes. So uh, probably in a couple of ways. One is um, uh, looking at our kind of people services. So um, for from a customer point of view, we're looking at creating kind of five-star experiences. Um, if we're honest, we tend not to have that same level of standard for colleagues. Um, and, you know, so you, some, you might have a great reward interaction and then a crappy learning one or whatever. So actually, what's the bar that we want to set for colleagues? And it needs to be five-star. And we're not going to get there on day one, but actually having that joined up set and sense of consistency. So really holding ourselves to a higher standard within kind of people services, because that's how most of our colleagues experience the people division. Um, and then secondly, the joining up of kind of that learning and talent kind of end to end. So looking at, I mean, you mentioned Microsoft. So we've discovered that with our Microsoft license, there's a whole load of technical training that one or two people in our IT team knew we'd bought, but most of the rest of the organization didn't. Um, so how can we make that, you know, fully available to everybody so you can, you know, for free, you can work out um, how to do all the coding. How do you then link that to what you might want to be doing with apprenticeship? So actually, I want to go and test something with baby steps, see if I'm interested, but then actually join that up with what we're trying to do with apprenticeships with, um, you know, some of our more formal <coughs> learning programs so that you're, you know, you're, you're painting the whole path for people rather than I've got the talent team looking at what I'm doing in recruitment and a learning team looking at the learning aspect, but actually that end-to-end -end journey. And if we're encouraging colleagues to invest in learning and growth, how do you make it really easy for them so that there's kind of tasters, there's opportunities to do boot camps, there's opportunities to do formal training when I'm ready. Um, and it's kind of, it's there and they don't have to be a ninja to work it all out for themselves, but you know, it's all laid out. So that's that's our challenge. Fantastic, brilliant, Mark. I'll steal that one. Um, <laughs> I like that. But I think in terms, I, I think in terms of for me, like the the, rec I think the recruitment role in general has been evolving for the last few years. It's no longer a sourcing role. You're a marketer. You're a salesperson. You know, you've you've got to wear a lot of different hats now. And I think the current situation has just amplified that more. Where businesses are really looking at what value they're getting out of the TA teams, um, you know, in terms of how are you helping the business move forward. And actually, one thing I've seen from when I first started in AO and to where I am now is the team has a lot more involvement with the business and the business goals. And actually, it's a good thing because it gives you more purpose from a TA perspective. Instead of just hiring bums on seats, you're now hiring towards helping a department fulfill certain goals and you're included in that and you're sort of becoming more embedded within those functions. But also you, it gives you that authority to push back in certain instances to say, I'm not sure this person's needed or I'm not sure this is the right step. Have you thought about this? You know, today we had a conversation and, you know, with our director of supply chain and it was like, well, you want to hire two roles, but actually could you just hire somebody you know, and more senior and, and, and they could look after it and hire two juniors below and that would give the same 
level of um, exposure to everybody, but actually you're creating a path for the future then as well as just hiring that talent there right that, here right now. You know, you've got to start looking at what's coming down the line and succession planning. So I think you've got to wear a lot more hats and it's become a lot more strategic and commercial in the last sort of couple of years, really. I agree. And that's the feedback I've had this year as well, is that um, I'm finding more and more HR professionals and talent teams are moving more and more into commercial function within the business. Um, and I believe that's a, a positive shift in direction, particularly within your roles. Uh, well, to be honest, my role is actually a little bit of an anomaly because I like to think I'm special, but no, that's not true. So I was I was brought in and I actually sit within our technology business. So I don't report into a HR director or recruitment. Um, and again, when I was at NHS Digital, I reported straight into the chief people officer. But again, it is a bit of a different setup. So I kind of go straight into or into like our overall head of technology um so it's kind of more of like an operational strategic role because i don't just cover the academy the you know the brief was to come in set it up level things out you know drive the consistencies in the scheme like kind of pick things i'm a bit of a fixer so i'll go in and i'll pick things apart and then I'll launch it and then you know th that happens and then I'll find kind of other things so in a way now that that's kind of happened and we're leveling that out there's obviously nothing's perfect like the academy's great and you know our talent are I'd like to think you know they feel better because they feel looked after you know they've got that wrap around now but also I'm doing a lot of other work in like different areas on different projects because that's what happens in consultancy and you know things like um, I work really closely with what we call our early careers and student recruitment team so I kind of look at it from more of a strategic perspective which gives me the space to do other stuff and you know the ED&I stuff um, the kids code stuff anything else that I might want to kind of implement to I guess put us on like the forefront but also making a lot of those strategic decisions about you know I guess our talent in that space and what can we change and what can we do better and kind of going around the business and doing that so yeah I think to be honest and, and that's kind of how I want my role to be I think you should be effectively in any kind of role like that you're an advisor to the business like you know that's kind of where you know a lot of kind of recruitment and, and talent roles were going into that more people operations space there was a lot of businesses that used to have people ops managers and there'd be a bit HR and a bit recruitment but they would sit within that function and I think in order to be a really good talent or HR professional you should be aligned to your your business area because you know your people you know what they need you know the skills that they're missing so and I think a lot of places are moving towards doing that and I think where I sit enables me to do a better job because I'm very close to my people and that's what's important fantastic that's a wrap for this conversation and our special episode recorded as part of Leeds Digital Festival 2023. Thank you for listening and thanks to everyone who attended our events. If you're interested in partnering with us on future events, please do get in touch. You'll find my LinkedIn profile and email in the descriptions of this episode. That's all for now. Bye.